Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, streaming on Facebook Live, hosted today by an expanded panel of Gina, Jody, Ed M, Ed P, Mike, and myself, Steve. Today is our 100th consecutive weekly episode, and I want to especially thank Ed M for having been here for all 100. Golf clap. Overachiever. Even as I missed one, the passing of my mom, and I guarantee that is not happening again. <laughs> I bad. want to thank all those who have appeared on our show as guests over these hundred episodes, including Melissa from New Hampshire and a few others who may join us briefly today. I also want to thank Jody for being with us for so long and hopefully returning to us many, many times in the future on any other occasion that she so chooses. And of course, I wanna thank everybody who is currently on our panel for their time and their effort, and more, most importantly, their well thought out opinions that they share with the Liberty Block. So good afternoon and congratulations, everybody. Thank hey, you. Everybody. Congratulations. Okay. Welcome back, Melissa. Since Thank Melissa's you. a guest, Jody. And she's an important guest. I'm going to talk to her first. Melissa, I know you know all of us, but you haven't been on in a really long time. So give us the five minutes of what you've accomplished in New Hampshire. Um, yeah, it has been a little while, hasn't it? I've been busy because we've been in, in session. So yeah, I'm a state rep in New Hampshire. And I am also the executive director of Rebuild New Hampshire, which is formally reopened New Hampshire. Um, so we've kind of taken on some of the COVID issues and that is what I have worked through in, um, in the, ha in, in the legislature. And we had a really good year, you know, last year we got some state of emergency reform. We got the state of emergency ended even more importantly. Um, but this year we, um, we really took on the medical freedom issue a lot. And we did pretty, pretty well. Um, hold on, let me see if I can pull up my press release here, but um, so I can get through some of the bills here. But uh, yeah, we, we have more state of emergency reform. Uh, we put more of the hands of the, the powers back into the hands of the legislature. We have 1466 um, and uh, 1022, um, which, which are the uh, COVID treatment bills. We have one making ivermectin available over the counter and one, um, I call it the don't tease me bill, just like saying that a doctor and a pharmacist can't you know, have their licenses revoked for off-label prescribing and filling. Um, we have bills to ban mask mandates in public schools that have passed. We have a lot of stuff to take on the state immunization registry and make it uh, more protected um, so that you can have your privacy protected more. We have one um, requiring, you know, that patients be able to have visitors in hospitals. Um, yeah, no, we've done really, really well this year. Um, and we, we have some, we, have, we made ourselves into a, we had a state nullification bill. You guys will like that one. Um, and uh, 1455, it says that the state of New Hampshire uh, will never enforce a federal vaccine mandate, nor will we ever share any vaccine data collection with the federal government. So, um, yeah. Could you please move to Virginia? Yeah. <laughs> Illinois, too. Hey, hey, hey. Jersey. You guys have Jersey. some pretty good people in your assembly, right? A few. So I got I to gotta say, first of all, kudos again to Ed M., who I know has had a hand in some of this stuff. 
Um, I was fortunate enough to be invited to testify up there by Zoom one time, which was also cool. You know, Melissa, when I read the rebuild stuff and and all the stuff you've accomplished, which is obviously phenomenal, and hopefully your governor gives into a lot of it. To me, it's so sad that any of those ever had to be passed. Now, how did yeah. we get to a point where we need to give ourselves back, which should be such obvious freedoms? I said this the other day um, after listening to a bunch of like incredibly tired Republican stump speeches. Like, I don't know, like the 1980s call, we're not living in Reagan's America anymore, folks, okay? It's just not, unfortunately, right? But um, the Republican mantra of you have to starve the beast to restrain government is so antiquated because they just keep printing money. There is no more starving the beast. It just doesn't exist anymore. And so what my focus has really been is just trying to anticipate the moving target, like what's coming next and how do I put a roadblock in the way? And yeah, it's exhausting and um, tedious. And, uh, but it's, it's all I got right now. I mean, it's ha- happening so fast. So just gonna keep throwing up those roadblocks. Melissa, when, I gotta share. Just give me one more question if, if I can. When is the deadline for Sununu to either sign or veto stuff? Um, so, the governor always has five days from the moment it hits his desk to either sign veto or allow it to become law without signature. When it gets to his desk, I don't know. You know, he gets hundreds of bills. So um, basically they'll all start getting to his desk by the end of the month and they kind of go in chunks throughout the next couple of months. I know we have veto override day sometime in September. So he has to be done before then. I don't know what the actual deadline is, but most of the bills get signed over the summer. Okay. Sorry, Jody, go ahead. No, I was just going to tell a funny story based, you know, with relating to what she said. Last night I was at a, um, a, Senate, a U.S. Senate candidate debate in, here in Illinois, and there were five candidates. And one of the questions was, how do we prevent this kind of, in the next pandemic, this kind of government overreach? What do we do? And the first four people to speak gave these long policy plans. And then the last one to speak took all of, 15 seconds, he said, what we do is elect Republicans. And everybody laughed because in a nutshell, and you know, not every Republican governor has been a stalwart against it, but by and large, he's not wrong. Democrats tended to be the ones, you know, wanting all the power during the pandemic and Republicans. It was just funny because it was all of 10 seconds of just elect Republicans. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think there are too many. I think a lot of Republican governors have completely gone along. I mean, other than DeSantis, who, who has done anything really yeah, meaningful to stop yeah. COVID. But I think Jody's talking about Illinois. Has there, you know, aren't they kind of overwhelmed with Democrats? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think states really, I mean, this was why this was Rebuild's biggest mission was state of emergency reform, because if you're talking yeah. about the next time, it's that governors can't have unlimited power for an unlimited amount of time. Um, and what we got is it, you know, I, I mean, personally, I don't really think we, New Hampshire had never used our state of emergency laws until COVID. So like, we didn't need them. We had dealt with pandemics before without all this, right? And um, so I personally think we could just repeal them. But we, what we did get was, you know, we have a veto um, abilities of the legislature, like the legislature can choose to veto an emergency order. Um, and then the reins get handed back after a finite period of time to the legislature. It's not ideal, 
but it's like he gets his time and then it's done. Yeah, I don't think pre-COVID people ever thought about emergency orders, even if there were many in effect, because supposedly there's like 20 some in effect still federally forever yeah. and ever. Yeah. But nobody ever thought about that stuff. I think there's a lot of things people never thought about. I mean, I, you know, I think that people never thought about mandatory vaccination, even for school children. Right. Right. I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, I know me personally, it never really, I mean, I know that I thought about it. I've had this one person that uh, Ed P and I know who raised that issue several years ago. Um, but other than her, I mean, I, you know, I, I never thought it was a big deal. I just thought, you know, these vaccines are safe and they're, they're designed to protect people. And, you know, on some academic theoretical level, I thought, oh, well, you know, you should be able to oppose it. But I thought for practical purposes, you know, it was no big deal to, to force people. And now that I see what happened with COVID, I don't think any of it should be forced. And, you know, if they're we safe, seated, they yeah. it. we seeded so much ground in liberty when we just rolled over as a society and accepted that. And I never thought about it either um, because we have to start getting back to, and I say this all the time to the legislators, we have to start getting back to the underlying principle of public health. Public health is supposed to be a voluntary relationship between the public and, and state officials where they, the state officials educate the public. They don't mandate things on the public. And that's what we did when we said that it was okay to have state you know, school vaccine requirements. We were saying that it was okay for public health to mandate. But even the education part, they've totally abused during COVID by- they're they're teaching us the wrong things they're they're telling us falsehoods one falsehood yeah. after another that's the real problem and it's because yeah. of the institutional you know failures slash incompetence slash sort of um incentives to uh um that's wrapped up in the pharma and the you know the institutional public health authorities it's it's really uh you know it's it's you got to pull the plug and and reboot it i mean it's not problem to have public health but i mean it, you know this throw them all out and start over amen maybe it is a problem have, having public health i'm not so sure i mean i i'm willing to question pretty much anything at this point have you followed the story out there that I forget who broke that there's been $350 million of the money NIH. going back into the NIH, the Fauci? Fauci, yes. That's Whoa. crazy. $350 million. And I guess it was broke up over, it was royalties and stuff to like over well over 100 scientists. That's, That's still, just still a lot crazy. of money. Yes, it is. $350 million. Come on. And then you wonder, he's not in it just for his measly 400 and whatever thousand dollars. Mm, highest paid salary. Yeah, it was him, Collins. There was a whole bunch of little sneaks. So I this, talk about collusion. I just went up and looked this up. The state of New Hampshire did not have a required school vaccine law until 1987. What happened in 1986? It was the, um, ah, I can't remember the full Amnesty. name of it. But that, yes, yeah. exactly. It was the vaccine um, Amnesty bill, exactly. Um, so 1987 <laughs> is when we started mandating all of these vaccines for school attendance. And before that, and my guess is it was probably a suggestion that most people followed. Right. But, not that many people died from. Right. 
Yeah, like, like you say, we've seeded so much and now we're fighting and celebrating getting back the ability to breathe. You know, it's not just we the people that have seeded things. I mean, the, the framers' vision for America was for a legislature-dominated government. And the legislature is really what has seeded power oh, yeah. both to the courts and to the executive branch and executive agencies. If and we really want to rebirth in America, it, we need the legislatures to reassert their power. You know, it's funny, I was reading Curtis Yarvin the other day, and he said that the executive agencies aren't part of the executive branch because the executive branch has no power over them. The president has no power to tell the agencies what to do. And so, in fact, they're part of the legislative branch. They are agents. They report to the legislature. They uh, are the money is controlled by the legislature. They follow the legislature's uh, guidelines, which are written. In the, and it's a funny way of thinking about it. But in a lot of ways, it, it's they, the legislature by these executive agencies has usurped the executive power because the, you know, if the president should be the chief executive, he should be able to say, CDC, you do this and DOD, you do that and Department of Education, you do this, but he can't. Uh, he can't hire and fire. He can't tell them what to do. Everything is micromanaged by the, the laws. Uh, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. So uh, the legislature well, think, doesn't the do problem anything. Isn't, I don't but, think it's that the legislature oversees it. I think that it's civil service reform that, yeah. you know, that you can't fire civil servants anymore. Right. Right. I, I mean, that's part of it. Watching bills being crafted, right? Politicians are, are politicians, so they're always scared. So they love to craft bills that are incredibly vague and um, they let the bureaucrats fill in the dirty details in the rulemaking process. And right. most of tyranny actually does sneak in in the rulemaking process. And that's, that is one of my goals for next year is to start working on that a little bit because people don't pay attention to it the way they pay attention to legislation. Right. And it usually happens in the off season when the legislature isn't even in power. And so most state legislatures are, they don't work very much. New Hampshire is one of the, like, we actually work the most amount of time. Like we're actually in session six months out of the year. There are states that still only work for a month a year or uh, three months every other year. And I know that the founders, they said that they wanted it to be like that so that the less laws would be passed so that you can restrain government. But that doesn't happen anymore with the bureaucratic state and the amount of authority that the executive branch has anymore. So I actually argue that we need to be in session more often, maybe not to put in bills to like, but at least just to be there to manage some of this. If you're going to say that legislatures have to take back their power, which I completely agree with, they need to be in session more often. Hey, could I ask you a question? Obviously, there's a, a strong libertarian uh, movement in New Hampshire, um, but you get losers like Sununu. So the, the question is, what, um, uh, what is it that, that allows uh, a reasonably decent conservative populist uh, legislature to do all of these things, but yet, you know, elects someone like Sununu or um, you know, the two uh, Democratic loser senators. I mean, what, what's the, what's the, what's going on there? I, I never quite understood that. Is it money? Is it name recognition? Is it, is it something? Um, so, you know, we're, New Hampshire has always had a libertarian streak, right? We've always 
um, wanted hands-off government more than other places. And so even our kind of standard Republicans and even Sununu kind of goes along with all of that, right? They kind of, and they, it's not that they even go along. I mean, they do kind of just generally have, believe in it. But what's happened with the liberty movement in New Hampshire is that we just haven't gotten that far yet, right? We, we've started at one level. We started at like the local levels and now they're in the house and we, the liberty Republicans are the majority of the majority in the house, which is how I can do the things that they do. We're working into the Senate. We have some really good people running for Senate next time. So you have to kind of, you have to think, like you have to work your way up to that. Sununu is though unbeatable because he is the Kennedy family of New Hampshire. The Sununus are the Kennedys of New Hampshire. Name recognition alone gets him elected. He doesn't even have to campaign. He puts his name on the ballot. They throw up a couple of signs and he wins no matter what. Okay. Um, Also, you do have to realize that we are technically a purple state. We are a purple state where both Republicans and Democrats and independents actually do sort of lean off to a libertarian side, but we are still purple. So you kind of get somebody like Sununu, who's really politically great at straddling the fence. And that's how people like him get elected. I mean, I guess you could say it's balance, right? I mean, if the House had their way, I mean, it would be fun. Triangulating. Isn't that what Clinton called it? Triangulating? I like that But you still send wackos to the Congress and Senate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually think that's more the way our, our maps are laid up, but also the NHGOP never gets their shit together to, oh, can I swear on this? Oh, sorry. Um, they never get it together to get anybody decent to run. When talking about Republicans, you, you are allowed to swear on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> that's a libertarian stance. <laughs> well, I, I would go further, Melissa, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Don't they actively want to stop good people from running for those offices? It does appear that way sometimes. Yeah, it really does. Um, I will say that I, I, I don't think that we have anybody who's really viable running right now for a set for Senate. Um, and then we have two congressional seats. And I think that, I've endorsed Tim Baxter for CD1, and he is a Liberty Republican. Um, Young Americans for Liberty endorsed, like he's that kind of thing, but I, CD2. So to compare and contrast a second, because Ed and Gina, you're involved with lots of candidates down there for Congress. Is there this pressure from the Republican Party to not let the most conservative slash libertarian win? No. No, and that's where our race right now, especially for Congress and the local parties, um, it's 100% grassroots, 100%. There is no pressure from the NCGOP whatsoever. Now, the only, there have been a few races where you've had some incumbents that have been in there for a long time that have personally um, kind of pushed other candidates to go to other districts. Um, just tell them flat out, Hey, you're not going to win. If you go over here, maybe you'll have a little bit more luck. There's been that kind of stuff, but nothing from the state level. Um, I don't know if Ed knows of anything different, but majority well, of our the state clubs- party has hardly done any, hardly lifted a finger to defend Madison Cawthorn. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. That's Jody, Jody, you're in Illinois. Is there a state Republican party there? Um, yeah, but it's kind of, it's like yours. It's pretty dysfunctional. I, I wouldn't, 
No, I wouldn't say that it um, is the endorsement machine of quality candidates. Because <laughs> you're also affiliated with campaigns there, right? Correct. So you don't find, but the Republicans don't crush good people. They just sort of sleep through. Oh, oh, well, I don't know what happens in your state, but they do try to actively crush good people. Now, do you have anybody, Jody, that is able to run on the Republican side that has a chance for governor? I'm working for him. Which one are you doing? Jesse Sullivan campaign. Okay. Yeah, I think he's got a great, I think of all the candidates running, he definitely has the best chance of winning. Okay, because there's a woman there and I can't remember what her name is. She's a woman running for governor there because she had reached out about um, if governor I wanted to be or candidate. lieutenant governor. There's some governor LT candidates in Illinois for Republican. Mm-hmm. I don't. She's a she's a fire chief, retired fire marshal, fire chief, something like that. I can't think of what her name is. But what? anyway, because she had wanted me to run her campaign for her. in Illinois. I, I've been mm-hmm. all over. I know all the candidates running for governor. I don't know of a female. Oh, Both, I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look up her name real quick. Wait a minute, Jody. Jody, I know yeah. you're a nurse, but are you a biologist? True. I'm sorry. I abdicate <laughs> my authority on this subject. You overran it. Welcome to Daniel Miller, president of Texas Nationalist Movement. Do you know everybody here? I, I do, and and let me say that watching Liberty Block with the sound off is like is like the coolest. Uh, Discovery <laughs> Channel reality Ooh. show pitch I've ever seen. Found it. No, it's like listening to Alu and Laser argue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Welcome back, Daniel. You hey, actually well, got a couple hello. of women. Howdy. Uh, look, uh, congratulations on 100 episodes. Let's just get that over with now. Look, congratulations, 100 episodes. Do you know how hard it is for people to do 100 things in a row? <laughs> of anything. Of anything I know, right? Much less uh, live streaming, a podcast, video, whatever that, whatever term they want to call it now. So, uh, kudos to you guys. Cup of coffee in your honor. Salute. There you go. So, Jody, you've got three female Republican I candidates. Mean, it looks like you've got a Keisha Smith. Governor. Yeah, Keisha Smith. I've never seen them anywhere. Emily the- Johnson, and the one I was regarding was Cheryl Erickson. Well, I've never heard of them. I've been to darn near every endorsement debates. They've never right. been never showed up. You got not, 10 not people. One. You got 10 people running on the Republican side. That's we've only got we've only yeah, we've only got probably three or four that are even viable and contenders. Uh, yeah. What a way to split the vote right there. Yeah. Listen, New That's Jersey funny. and Illinois have the same problems. It's like you, you need you need a statewide campaign. You can't have all these people doing their own thing in different districts where nobody well, knows the who ILG, they are. The ILGOP is, uh, like I said, they don't help that situation at all. I don't no. think. Daniel, what we were talking about, Chris, you met Melissa in New Hampshire? I, I, I want to say that we maybe did meet. Maybe I, I you know, <laughs> I, I, got, I got COVID brain. I, I don't, I, you know, I'm lucky I remembered how to be here, even though Stephen did not actually send me a calendar invite. I feel like oh, I met you at Pork yeah. Fest. Were you at Pork Fest? I, I was. I feel like I met you at Pork Fest. Yeah. One day is, I was there. Uh, well, maybe if it was the day we were doing the, the panel, then uh, the independence panel, then yeah, we met. Yeah. But I, it it's familiar. There we go. So we have like five states here today, if I count. I think we've got wow. five. 
we were just talking about, you know, how much do the Republicans in power try to crush the good candidates? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you as a governor, as a person from a state with a governor with like a $75 million war chest. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely happens. Um, you know, Abbott, uh, let me just a little little bit of history. You guys remember Rick Perry, right? Uh, or as we refer to him, Governor Goodhair. Um, he, he I thought it was Governor Forgetful. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, he eventually wound up as Secretary of Oops. So you know, take that as you will. But you know, Perry may it, it, up until Perry's um, governorship, it was very rare. Uh, and, and almost unheard of for a governor to chime in, particularly in the primaries. And the year that I ran for state representative back in 2012, um, they had redistricted uh, and, and drawn one of the more conservative guys. Matter of fact, a good ally, good friend of ours, James White, they drew him into uh, the same district as a guy named Tuffy Hamilton. And uh, Tuffy is best known as being the guy who donned a, a purple uh, Barney outfit on the floor of the legislature and having a margarita machine in his office. Uh, so he was about as establishment as it comes. Uh, but Perry stepped out and, and did an unprecedented thing and publicly endorsed James White in that primary. So that sort of, I, I think, opened the door for us, but it really did not hit its stride until Abbott became governor. Uh, one thing people don't understand about Abbott is Abbott, from the time he ran uh, to become governor, you know, he was our attorney general. He, when he won the governorship, he never shut his campaign down. Like never. It is a 365 day a year operation. Uh, and, and he needs where, well, he, well, he does. And he uses it to great effect. So when Cruz and O'Rourke, uh, were in that heated Senate race, the state party could not help Cruz. I mean, Cruz, you got to remember, he was back on his heels. It, it was not, it was looking pretty dicey. Uh, but when Cruz needed help at the, at the, you know, at the 11th hour, he didn't go to the state party. He went to Greg Abbott and Greg Abbott effectively loaned him his statewide campaign organization. So uh, last couple of cycles, uh, Abbott has been very aggressive, both in publicly endorsing in the primaries, particularly for establishment candidates, basically people who kiss his butt. Uh, and, and he has been very free with his money uh, when it comes to, to getting those guys. And of course, our Lieutenant governor is essentially no different. He's playing in one of the runoffs right now. He's handpicked the person he wants in Senate district 24. Uh, and the, the absolutely more conservative guy uh, is, is, you know, he's playing at a disadvantage because Dan Patrick is spending like a drunken sailor. Like I say, you know, by the time people vote, so much has been decided in the back room. And that's what's, I don't think people realize that. It's over we, before it starts. Well, we have selections, not elections in most instances. I mean, you know, this is one of the reasons that, that, that um, you know, we had to launch an, an election integrity task force. Um, you know, we, we saw the report that came out, obviously, because we're pushing for a referendum on Texas independence, um, you know, vote, vote integrity is a big deal for us. Ballot integrity, uh, you know, it's, it's been an issue for us since day one. Uh, but when, when they released that report from DEFCON back in, what was it, 2019, where they had the voter village and they, you know, they had over 100 machines there, were able to hack 100% of them 
uh, you know, with very little difficulty whatsoever. Um, you know, it, it raised some alarm bells. You know, that we've got that white paper available for download, that final report on our website. Uh, but people looked at it, got alarmed, and forgot it. But now, you know, after the 2020 election, and especially here with what just happened in the primaries, um, you know, the release of that movie, 2000 Mules, I mean, you know, there's just so much where people are, are keeping an eye on it. But the, the unmistakable conclusion in my mind is that if they wanted to have a selection rather than an election, uh, it, it is absolutely 100% within their power to make that happen and rather easily. So I actually took the well, time and watched the mules thing today. Anybody else watch it through? Just the groovy mule. Yeah, that's a great movie. I have not watched it yet. Though. I have watched it. Yet. If you speed it up, you can do it in like 45 minutes. And it, not that it shocks me, it's horrible seeing it. And it's nice to see regular people like Prager, Larry Elder, who aren't wackos like Liberty Block people saying, wow, this is this is a problem. We didn't think so before, but something's off now. And I think that's a good thing to move those middle kind of people. It's a good thing, but now they have to prove that those ballots, which I don't think there's any way that those ballots were illegal, because um, otherwise it still proves nothing. And it was kind of disappointing that they didn't name the nonprofits. That's all I wanted to hear was who's the nonprofits. But supposedly, um, what is her name, Catherine Inglebright um, from True the Vote? Within the next few weeks, I guess they've got a crap load of information that they are going to be releasing. Right. Well, I think for <laughs> definition, they're illegal because they're harvested. Um, especially beyond a, a few numbers. It's illegal if they took money for doing it. Right, but they can't prove which ballots those people put in. That's the issue. Right, and you, you, you only have a certain amount of circumstantial evidence, but we actually put people to death on circumstantial evidence, you know, notwithstanding Alu's new book. Well, I mean, circumstantial evidence is, you know, if you just if you go to sleep and there's no snow on the ground and you wake up and there's snow on the ground, you're you don't have any direct evidence that it snowed, but the circumstantial evidence is pretty overwhelming. There, there is, there is, you know, so that this was a multi-pronged attack. Um, so there, there is evidence that in certain areas there were um, late night ballot dumps with um, just, uh, you know, that just the president filled out none of the down ballot races. And I have a feeling that's because they had a plan and the plan ended up not quite working and so they had to like very quickly go to plan b which well, is you know to... there was a plan when they all stopped counting at the same flipping yeah. time and when all the ballots started coming back in at the same time like yeah I we'll mean, get that, banned that from hurts. facebook for this discussion but i do think it was kind of a um i do think it was is is kind of they had plan a and that and this documentary is about kind of plan a but it looked like plan A wasn't working. And so in Atlanta and Philly and a couple other places, they, they went to plan B. Well, that's the thing. Did they for, so for this movie, they did your swing States, but did they do it in any other States would be my question, just because they're going to have to, if they say that those numbers, especially Philadelphia was the big one, because there was 1100 mules there and it's enough to switch Pennsylvania, yada, yada. Who's to say that different things didn't happen in other states as well? There, there's a decent evidence that this type of thing was going on in Orange County, California, in the 2018 congressional right. election. And in fact, that was the trial run for this. Um, do you think if, 
if they started doing other states and researching it, that they would find that happening on the Republican side at all? Well, they said straight yeah. up in the movie that they found this by Republicans as well, which is what yeah. we've said, why Republicans don't want to touch this. Yeah, no, I think uh, both sides have done it for years. So I, quick story, I know this guy donated to my campaign. He um, owns a bar locally and um, he is a Republican now, but like back in the day, he used to be a Democrat, he used to work for Democrat campaigns. And right after the election, he told me, I went in and he, he's like, oh yeah, I mean, they used to send me into Philly all the time to fix elections. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, no, it was like standard practice. And I was like, all right. But yeah, I mean, he was a Democrat, so he's speaking up with Democrats, but he was like, yeah, yeah, we do it both ways all the time in major cities. Well, I think and that's what the guy with the beard was saying. This is not a new thing. And I think your, your speculation about it plan, having a plan A, them having a plan A and it not working and them going to plan B, that sounds right to me. And I think that what's truly amazing is that even with their plan A, I mean, they were already trying to fix and rig the election. And there was still so much overwhelming support for Trump that they still had to go to a plan B. I mean, yeah. if you stop and think about it, that is really amazing. I mean, can I can I suggest that they got all the way up to LGBTQ AI? Yeah. Well, the, the um, Ben Shapiro, who is very, very um, skeptical about the election uh, fraud issue, he, he did a uh, he did a show yesterday where he basically said, you know, there are some obvious uh issues. And that is that the, you know, the number of people voting were in the 120 million to 130 million range for, you know, three or four elections in a row, and then went to 155 million. And uh, yes, some of that is Trump enthusiasm. And yes, some of that is anti-Trump enthusiasm, but no, that doesn't make any sense. And so I, you know, the idea that there might have been say 10 million um, uh, ballots that that weren't legitimate, um, I think is probably reasonably true. Uh, you know, you know I, the nursing home vote. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, you know, I can imagine sort of 10 million. Um, that still doesn't put, um, you know, potentially uh, uh, Trump winning the popular vote, but it really does uh, shift the election. And I will say though, I believe that Trump did lose New Hampshire. I knocked the doors, I knocked a lot of doors that election. And I cannot tell you how many conversations I had with registered Republicans who hated Donald Trump and said that they were never voting for a Republican as long as Trump was in office. And I would be like, well, I'm not Donald Trump. Like, would you still vote for me? And um, the interesting about that, Melissa, is that then contradicts the down ballot issue, because the yeah. problem was how many people did vote Republican but didn't vote Trump. Um, so in New Hampshire, I can tell you, we went statewide red, federally blue, and everyone says that this is evidence of voter fraud. And I'm like, no, it is not, because I have talked to every sort of uninformed voter I know, and they all filled out their ballot that way, because here was their, their only logic was, I hate Trump, blue on the top, Sununu was okay, at least we weren't California, so vote for him and all the red down ballot. And that's literally how they voted. You know, I, that happened I, so much here too. I, so I've looked into here. this, um, you know, the idea, how, how can you have like large scale um, vote manufacturing? And it, it, it really takes a subculture, almost like a mafia style subculture where they have Omerta, right? And so um, 
you, you can't just do it with, you can't just go to the local party meeting and, and solicit people from doing that. So I, I, from what I understand, because I grew up in Philly and, and the Philly um, situation, um, it, it's, I would guess if I had to like bet my house, I would bet my house on the SEIU. The SEIU is the uh, union that, uh, the Marxist union that, that, um, that's a redundancy was associated with the uh, acorn, right? The remember the acorn uh, scandal that James O'Keefe uh, uncovered. Um, they're very disciplined. The cadre of committed Marxists. They also have ethnic solidarity since they're they're mostly uh, mostly African American, and that is the sort of organization that can pull this off. Whereas the Democratic Party you know, is just a mess. So I, I think when you, when you think of like, where can you pull off this kind of operation? You have to like, you have to find a, a subgroup that, that has the incentive, the ideological conformity and the omerta to pull it off. And that's, I think, why you can do this in Philadelphia and you can't do it in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a you know relatively sparsely settled state. There, there are, is not a whole lot of, of, of unions, for instance. Again, I think it's probably the SEIU. Um, they're a relatively homogeneous state um, ethnically. So there isn't a lot of uh, omerta there that can pull it off. So I perfectly believe what Melissa is saying about New Hampshire, while still thinking that, say, in Atlanta or Philadelphia or Milwaukee, you can get a, um, a different, yeah, different totally result. And, and, I, and I would add to that, and I think Alu would second it, trying to get anybody in New Hampshire to work together on anything is darn near impossible. That's the problem with individualists. They all are. They don't work together by definition. Let's yeah. welcome our uh, fearless leader, Elliot. Howdy. Say hi. Hi guys. Hey. Congratulations on 100 episodes. I'm very wow. proud of you all. You guys are the best podcast co-host crew in the universe. Um, and uh, it's obviously an honor to uh, be on the same podcast as you guys. You guys are the best and ahead of the curve by at least six months. Yeah, that's the and, problem. Yep. And congratulations to Ed on the Iron Man of Liberty Award, the Iron Man of the College Kids 2020, for 100 straight episodes, I believe. He's the first Liberty Block co-host in history to host 100 episodes straight. Thank you, Elliot. <laughs> Maybe the only one. Laser is here from, I'm not sure what country. Say hi, Lay. Howdy, everybody. I, I honestly won't even tell you guys in on what country, but I'm, I'm somewhere in Europe at the moment. My background is, is Utah. It's close enough. Uh, Can you I'm also calling you're in? Uh, not at the moment. I probably could, but I won't, uh, just in case. But, oh, there are more people. Uh, Daniel and Lazar are here. Wow. Yeah, I'm. I'm again, like like Elliot. Right. I'm going to congratulate you guys. 100 episodes is pretty awesome. Ed, you are officially an in our family. This is a very meaningful thing. You are the Cal Ripken of Liberty. I thought Bell. I was in the family earlier than this. No, but to Ed, be Ed, Cal Ripken, you don't get it. Ed, to be Cal Ripken, you're officially now, forget the family, you're the godfather of the family. My dad works Cal Ripken Jr. is a deity where I come from. So that is, you are you are now the Iron Man and, and 100 in a row. Uh, you're Cal Ripken, Ed. Yeah, Ed Ripken. I, I like Ed being Ripken, an Axelman. <laughs> 
being a Ripken and out in the Axelman family, being a Ripken is better than being an Axel. We need to get a nice, we need to get a nice like Liberty block jacket that we give to the hall of fame members. We need jerseys. Yeah. I I would like to make a Jersey with the Orioles logo, but it just says like with the, with the masters, you know, the green jacket. I don't know if you do it with an Orioles logo, they're going to think we're losers. <laughs> yeah, you could probably get Orioles uh, merch pretty cheap. I would assume you probably get probably cheaper than Liberty Block. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel I like your background. The background again. Um, so anyway, speaking of jerseys, I had an idea. I want to run it through the Liberty Block board and let me know what you think. Right now, the tentative plan is to have a pretty legitimate football game at Porkfest again with Libertarians versus Republicans. We had a hockey game. It was very high level actually, and it was a phenomenal game. Went to overtime actually. Phenomenal game. Very very high level hockey. Um, we want to do the same with football at Porkfest, and we already have a bunch of guys who play in college football, um, and obviously I would be, like, um, one of the offensive coaches. And what I want to do is get jerseys so we know who's on whose team, and we can have a Liberty Block as a sponsor, like Liberty Block somewhere as a sponsor, like NBA does, I think. Um, and that way, because if I, if I or a bunch of us pay for it, we could get an, an ad on the jersey. What do you guys think? And later, do you have a few thousand bucks on you that you can practice? I think it's a great idea, but considering that at the moment I'm currently in discussion to head the entire medical team for Porkfest, it may or may not seem mildly biased if the guy taking care of the hurt football players is also a <laughs> Liberty Block guy. So we'll see how that works out. That would awesome. be the least of our worries. Laser, any uh, words of wisdom before you have to bounce? Uh, my words of wisdom before I, I sign off, really, again, just so much congratulations. I'm sorry that I couldn't join you guys for more episodes. I jumped on the ones that I could. I'm not sure if I jumped on more than one of them from the same time zone as any one of you, but I did what I could, calling in at 11, 12, 1 in the morning. Laser, the offer to have your own weekly podcast called <laughs> The Pessimist Perspective still stands. <laughs> the Pessimist Perspective will one day set sail. You better be do beautiful. it sometime. All right, Laser, I don't know. If you're not going to be at Porkfest, you won't see Daniel for a while. So my hope, my hope is if I can pull this off to be at Porkfest, the entirety of Porkfest, and actually to literally, I'm not kidding. I'm speaking to uh, someone right now about running the entire medical team for Porkfest beginning to end. Yep. Uh, I would be in charge of all medical team. So uh, we'll see if I do it. I'm talking to her now. If I can guarantee her that I'll be there the entirety of, of Porkfest. I will head up the medical team. So I'll hopefully know that relatively soon. I do expect to be there at least for most of it, hopefully for all of it. But anyway, I'll see Daniel there. I'll hopefully see some of you there and we'll make the best of it. But really guys, I, I do need to sign off. Again, so much congratulations for a hundred. That's, that's a tremendous milestone without skipping the week. And Ed, you are, you are the Iron Man. Stay Thank safe you wherever you in. are, Laser. Yeah, stay safe. Yeah, Always. stay safe. Don't get hit by trouble. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Jody, Jody, it's good to hear your voice. It's been hey, a while, Jody. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice, too. I'm glad you're doing yeah. well. Always. Always I can't wait well. to hear a new show, by the way. When, when I do get it off the ground, it will <laughs> yeah. be not yeah. safe for work, and it will be glorious. <laughs> <laughs> Although we but, can't let my dad hear it, because Laser says certain four-letter words. Um, it'll be like the, mostly the good news words, is, is the good news is now I can I can curse proficiently in Russian now maybe that'll appease him. So, oh, that's right. Leave us with a message from Putin, will you? I know. If I do that, they'll find out where I am right now. How do you say "Let's go, Brandon" in Russian? Поехали, <laughs> Brandonia. <laughs> Sounded nice and nasal. Take care, Laser. All right, ladies and gentlemen, guys, congratulations to everyone. I, I will hopefully see you all very soon. 
If Take we're care, lucky, Laser, we'll see you soon. Hopefully. I'll come find you, Ed. You're not too far to drive. Sounds good. Take All care, right. everyone. So this is cool. We got five states and whichever well, country Laser be in Europe at the mm -hmm. moment. And Jody, so. you got to leave, too? Sorry, yes, I'm trying to say I have to leave. My dog is barking at me. But yes, I I'm sorry, I have to go. But thank you guys thank for having you me. Thank you so much, Jody. Congrats, everybody. I love you guys. And I will we be back. Love you, too. Soon. Thanks for being All with right. us, Jody. All right, see you guys. All right, awesome. is everyone here coming to Pork Fest for the full week? Everyone? I'm coming for <laughs> everyone two Everyone is not. Daniel, can you come for more than one day? Yeah, I'll pr I mean, look, uh, for the travel, we, we will probably pull an extra day. But you know us. We like to drive Woo! all over Hills Half Acre, so it's entirely possible. I'm still thinking about it, Elliot. I don't know okay. yet. <sighs> what about Mike, Ed P, and Gina? Ooh. I don't know about that. I'm not going to be able to go. It's like a 14-hour drive. I, I have to check and see if my wife wants to get rid of me. I would I would love to go, but I have a another commitment like on the Wednesday through Saturday of that week. It's it's not impossible for me to go like Monday or Tuesday, maybe. Well, Tuesday's the day my dad will be there. So well, I'll see. Uh, not impossible. Maybe I'll come hey, up. Melissa, on you got to do like me. You just crash for the day. Yeah, Melissa, I might come up. Doing? If you guys are gonna be there on Tuesday, I might. We'll see. I gotta see what I'm doing that week. But um, yeah. actually, no, I it's a six-hour drive, so. But yeah. How far away is it from Manchester? Two hours. Two hours. Maybe two hours or two and a half. Because that's the airport, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's an airport there. Yeah, well, I don't know. Is there any place to land Ed's private plane up there? Um, so there is a small airport in Lebanon. <laughs> there you go. You know, maybe, maybe you service. know what? If you pretend to be an illegal immigrant, you can maybe get a free flight somewhere that, you know, disperse you around. I get the so Delaware. You identify as Brandon and you'll get an airplane. <laughs> All righty. Uh, Daniel, if you got to bounce, thank you so much for stopping by. Bye, guys. And again, congratulations. One double zero. And uh, man, just keep it up. Keep it up. Let's go win. You too. Good luck with yeah. what All you're right. doing in Texas. Thanks, thank you. Keep up the awesome work. You're the man, dude. To the man, let's, go, let's go win this thing. I need, to, I need a break. I'm ready to win. Give you, give you some longhorn. Uh, hook them. Or hey, you just made all the Aggies mad. Way to go! <laughs> Thank you. You, made, you just you just made it where I can't share this video with anyone. That is the textbook definition of a cultural faux pas, sir. Yeah, there you go. Ooh. Hey, thank y'all so much, and, and appreciate y'all's hospitality. And uh, care, again, Daniel. congratulations. See you soon. Keep us. Oh. Well, we lost all him. Right. Yeah, I got to run too, guys. But so thank, you, thank so you so much for having much. me. Um, I'm always up for coming and hanging out with you guys and talking about stuff. So, but and congratulations on 100 episodes. Bye, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Yeah, you do, Melissa. Okay. Yeah, we invited a couple more on, but that's okay. We got the great people on. So, I feel like hey, we're I'm still here. So, it feels like we're kicking them off the island. <laughs> Can you guys talk about any news today? Exactly. Yeah, well, well, we talked a little bit about New Hampshire. And we talked a little bit about Republican establishment leaders making it difficult for true conservatives to run in any state. But now we can pick up on the topics. Gina, the lovely Gina, what's uppermost yes. in your mind today? Well, I got a couple different things. Um, the Pope. Um, pushing his LGBTQIA whatever agenda, but not making a comment 
um, on this Roe versus Wade decision being overturned. Um, and also the fact that they have not released the actual um, decision yet when it's most likely because Politico's already announced that there was no other opinions that were drafted. Um, so I'd like to end the nonsense and have uh, Justice Roberts make the decision to release. What do you mean no decision. other opinion? It wasn't 9-0. No, 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 there was nothing else written. Sorry, there was nothing else written as- And I think the, um, I think the process is that they, um, be because they do a bunch of cases at the same time, there's a certain amount of time to write the uh, majority opinion and then the, um, the dissents, they get a couple months to write the dissents and then the dissents go back to the majority and the majority has a, a right to then um, change the majority opinion based on the dissents. Because you often see in an opinion, you often see in the majority opinion reference to the dissent. So you write the majority right. opinion first, you write the dissents, and then it goes back to the majority to, to edit based on the dissents. And they can say, well, in also they the take in the dissent, they, they said this vote. and that's wrong. At, well, that's how all these decisions go. I mean, except the nine to zero ones. And then once you've got that, then it's it's released. So even if the dissents were well on the way of being written when this leak happened, they would still have to go back. So, I mean, I, I don't think, I, I personally don't think that there is a way to accelerate it much beyond a couple of weeks, like instead of end of June, maybe middle of June, um, just the way these things go. Plus well, they're all can. writing a bunch of other opinions at the same time. That, um, you know what, they, they sure can. They have done so much crap with this government that they shouldn't have done or can't do, and they've done it. Take the flip and vote. Like it, it's that simple. Like well, it is well, seriously. The, the government is not. The, didn't they? All the government. Huh? Didn't they hear this in December? Yeah, they yeah. heard I mean, it. In some, I mean, the, they the, could come out with a vote and then they could put out the opinion later. No, the they one thing about the, could, yeah. the one thing about this, our government and in, indeed most governments now is they're not government of laws. They're not government of liberty. They are governments of process. Everything has a process. And that is sort of the bureaucracy mentality. You have to go through the process. That's, yeah, but this uh, process has been abducted. So like people's lives are at risk. You've got police and FBI and whatever watching the Supreme Court justices because we don't need one of them getting picked off yeah. because of a flipping process. Like no, seriously. I, I, I certainly agree okay. with that. I'm just I'm just telling you the way it is, not the way it's- Ed, Ed, how yeah, far but, are you from Alito's house? Me? Uh, 15 minutes, I guess. I don't know. What they can do with the process oh, Ed, is they can put other business aside and just work on this one opinion. I mean, the leak is now nine days ago. Yeah. This could be done. They could get it done in nine days. I mean, and if not in nine days, I mean, they could have it done by the end of this week. I mean, I think yeah. Gina's right that people's lives are in danger. And yeah, you know, and, and not only are they in danger, I mean, you've got the administration encouraging violence against these judges. So yeah. No, I, um, I mean, I'm absolutely. I mean, the one other thing I want Trump, who was in so much trouble for, quote, encouraging the insurrection on January 6th when he said, be peaceful. And here you have the administration literally telling people to go commit felonies. Well, because the they're passionate, Stephen. Don't didn't yeah, you hear Saki? They're passionate. Well, it's different because they're protesting for a constitutional right because abortion is the most constitutional right. It's right there in Article One of the Constitution, the right to abortion. You know, by the way. 
when we start protesting for 2A and we say we're passionate about our constitutional rights, I want to see uh, Peppermint County uh, up there saying the same thing. He's going to be gone soon. Are you guys going to miss her? Oh, terribly, terribly. But now we have another really good one coming. I, I think the new one is is just perfect for the Biden administration. And I think that if there was any way that the Democrats could do something to make them lose more votes in the fall, um, the appointment of this new person is is just perfect to lose votes. She is the most unlikable person I've ever seen in my entire life in a public relations job. Ed, Ed, you're just racist, Ed. It's not just that she's unlikable. I think Saki is extremely unlikable, but as much as I can't stand her, she's pretty competent at what she does. She's a very good liar. She's a very, you know, she's very strong and, and, you know, gives strength where Biden doesn't give strength. And this woman just seems like a complete moron. Yeah, moron is zero. And a, a complete affirmative action hire. And it's obvious just listening to her talk a little bit. So I, I think you're right. Affirmative action. Do we know when the SFFA um, versus Harvard is, is, was it heard or when's the decision or what's going on with the Supreme Court? It was heard, but they can yeah. still, they can still push the uh, decision off till next year if they want to, and they may want to. Okay. I, I had one comment on last month's, uh, last month, last week's uh, thing on the Alito thing because no, last last century now that last we're century. Century. every too many things go on there's an interesting thing that's going on at the fda the fda made um plan b mifeprestone and mifeprestol um available without a physical examination during the pandemic um so it's a it's a combination of drugs that you take uh up to 70 days after your last period so up to the um, baby being what's 56 divided by seven, eight weeks, six, so six weeks, eight weeks, right? So up to eight weeks, you can take this. And, and then now the FDA has come out with a study, which I've read. It's, it's kind of bogus, but like all of these medical studies are bogus, but it, it, it allegedly proved that, um, that these, this combination of drugs is, uh, safe and effective, um, uh, without a physical exam. Um, now, this is needed to to sort of solidify the idea that this is um, that the, to remove the requirement completely for a physical exam. Um, so, anyone, any woman who wants an abortion then can have a telemedicine visit with a doctor, not in their state, then prescribe the uh, drugs in a pharmacy, not in their state, have them delivered by the US mail and take the drugs. And essentially this is a way to um, prevent states from uh, banning abortion before eight weeks, or at least chemical abortion. Now, the interesting thing is that Tennessee has now made it illegal to do this very thing, but it's illegal for the doctor and the pharmacist and the shipping companies to do it there's no penalty for the woman who does it. But Can we of course, not say woman, the birthing person, please? Birthing person, excuse me. But yes. the interesting thing is the Tennessee does not have the power to penalize the U.S. Postal Service. They might have it to, for Federal Express or UPS, but not the USPS, which is essentially an arm of the government. So this is the attack. Um, to This is the one of the interesting 
because nobody's heard about it uh, except the governor of Tennessee, um, a way of keeping abortion available in red states up to eight weeks. Um, so that, I thought that was a, sort of an interesting um, deep state response to the potential uh, overthrowing of Roe v. Wade. And I wanted to talk about that. I think it's interesting, though, would they make it so easy to get ivermectin shipped in from out of state through telemedicine? Well, I have. I've gotten plenty of ivermectin shipped out of state through telemedicine. So, yeah, I mean, it is. You just have to know where to go. Just have to know where to go. But yeah. Yeah. Go online and find Canadian and Indian pharmacies because apparently they have more freedom than we do. Canada, well, I mean, Indiana, I would not suggest, I, I, and that's legal too, but I, I, you know, if anybody wants ivermectin, send me an e email and I, I know exactly how to get it at a reasonable cost. Straight from the horse's mouth? Exactly straight <laughs> from the horse's mouth. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. Mike, what's uppermost on yours? Well, to me, I mean, it's just uh, the way the left has, tried to intimidate the court in the last week and, and obviously violating federal law going on the doorsteps of what Kavanaugh and Alito. And again, for lack of a better word, we always say hypocrisy and we know that they're being consistent in their totalitarian ways. But, you know, again, you have to contrast it with the way the J6ers have been treated, right? And, and how, again, we've seen this with BLM and Antifa and everything else. And now, now they can just go right to the doorstep of a, a federal judge on the Supreme Court and try to intimidate the bejeez out of them to get their way. Well, just they like get away, and they get away it. with it. They just, just like Schumer you know, said, get away with it. And Bongino is calling out Youngkin and he's, you know, he's not a Democrat. And he just said, you know, he's monitoring the situation, which is just like the January Sixers. They're monitoring it. Of course, yeah. Youngkin's a Democrat. But again, it's very simple. I say everyone should carry, including Samuel Alito and Brett Kavanaugh. They should carry. It's that simple. You know, they can call the cops who might be there in 30 minutes, but they should carry because if there are 100 radical, rabid, violent leftists we know are violent on their doorstep, we know in D.C. Yeah. they try uh, to... How did, how did that work out for that couple out west? Which state was that in? McCloskey? Missouri. Missouri. No. It was in Missouri. He's running for Senate. He did good. Well, the justices go to work every day and it's their families it's that their are left kids. behind. Kavanaugh's got kids. Their families should carry. His kids should carry. Everyone should carry. Forget about them carrying. Why doesn't Youngkin send the state police in and arrest these Youngkin's people? a Democrat and he's weak. Youngkin should arrest these people and just keep clearing their clear, clear, clearing the path. Yeah, and if the courts let him go, let him go. Did you say right after the election, you know. the, next day, the next day, Youngkin already lost his mind, didn't he? But didn't the attorney general of Virginia just do something? Yeah, he's really good. So I have not heard about that, but I wouldn't su be surprised. Remember, there's three of the six uh, Republican nominated justices live in Virginia. The other three live in Maryland. So I don't know what's going on in yeah. Maryland. I do. Well, I, I also found it funny. I think Pocahontas was on TV yesterday crying over Roe v. Wade. And basically she was fine with everything that these people are doing. But you know what? When the J6ers, uh, you know, that happened, she she didn't speak out against there being, uh, you know, fencing all around the Capitol. You know, that that was OK, that she needed protection. But apparently Alito and Kavanaugh don't because they're on the wrong side of the issue. Right. Well, after Schumer got away with what, you know, threatening them, you know, if we if we didn't stop it, then when are we ever going to stop it? Yeah. Well, you know, just because you made a mistake in the past doesn't mean you have to repeat it for in perpetuity. I mean, Youngkin should do something about it. I mean, they, North, you know, 
they don't have a Democrat governor anymore, right? I mean, there's no reason why they can't do why he can't do something about it, other than lack of will. There is the I kind don't of lack why of jurisdiction. Have a lack of will, he would gain so much more support from the Republicans. The Democrats hate him anyway. But it's the same story always, like you always say. That they court the Democrats. They want to appease the Democrats. And it never works. Bush, Sununu, <laughs> everyone. Everyone besides DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah, DeSantis seems like he actually wants to do things. Everybody, Every other Republican seems to just want to talk. Um, and not even that. You heard about Lindsey Graham's... Uh, that is unbelievable. Yep. I mean, not unbelievable, actually. Very believable. Just unbelievable. What does Lindsey Graham do now? Go ahead, Steve. Well, what I heard is they have a, an audio of Lindsey Graham on January 6th basically saying Biden will probably be the best man for the job. It's not an exact what? quote. But is that how you remember the exact quote? Yeah, something like Close. that. And that we would unify behind Biden and that... Well, he uh, is the unifier in chief. You know, he said he would unify the United States. And just today he tweeted unity. What was his exact tweet today? We just have two different countries, two different people will never get along. Yeah. Hey, listen, Lindsey Graham and Biden have been pals, what, two, three hundred years since they've been in the Senate together. And Lindsey yeah. Graham has always, you know, been a, a McCain guy. So but it's, it's amazing how Biden is, is, is the divider in chief, more divisive than anyone, maybe even more than Trump, who was divisive. And he just tweeted again that he supports secession. Look at Biden's most recent tweet. He says we're living in two different Americas and we're never going to agree with each other. Wait, didn't Obama say we don't have two Americas or was that Mr. Edwards? I don't know, but Obama did Edwards. say that Texas is a swamp of crazy. Yeah, but but I, I don't think, think Obama Elliot, I don't think, I don't think that Biden's tweet is suggesting secession. I think it's suggesting that Congress. the left needs to overrun us. Yeah, Congress. Yeah, either kill all Republicans or secede. What do you think he's insinuating? Kill all, Amer all Republicans or split the country? Kill us. I mean, well, oh, starve us to death from the time we're infants. There was a thread this morning um, on uh, on Twitter that uh, talked about the limited supply of diesel fuel on the East Coast. And we're down to like three days worth of supply. I don't know why, but that's what it said. And of course, if the trucks can't run, the food can't come and the cities will be yeah, I mean, it'll be the zombie apocalypse, right? If, if people run out of food, so. I said a while ago, again, ahead of the curve, I said six months ago or a year ago, buy a horse or a bicycle while you can. Because when there's no more gas, all cars are 100% useless. If you have a bicycle, you can at least get some places further than walking distance, like 5, 10, 20 miles or 50 miles away. If you, well, have a you horse, can't buy a horse because the price of ivermectin is going to go so high. So you're stuck with the bike. Yep. So, again, you know, if you buy a bike now, I guarantee in a few months, gas is gone. If the gas is gone, bicycles will have a run on bicycles. In two days, they'll be out of stock everywhere in the world. And then you can't get a bicycle. So I would say get a 28-inch or 26-inch full-size bike that can get you 20 miles easily in a few minutes. Get it now so you can still get some places. Because, again, if gas runs out in a day or two, we are all mega screwed. I got to oh. walk to work today. It took less than two minutes. So, yay. The you, reason why they're letting it get work. down... The reason they're letting it get down to three days is because this is all planned. This is all part of their plan. They're not opposed. Ooh, they to can't get to the polls, Ed. There you go. That's what it'll be. I mean, I think it's worse than that. I think it's it, it's a it's a 
a recipe for them being able to impose martial law. It's a recipe for them to be able to impose a digital currency and maybe make a, a ration card out of the digital, digital currency. You can only get food if you take their currency. Um, I, I think that they're, you know, Gina, you, you and I mentioned a, a while back how strangely confident the Democrats seem like they have something up their sleeve. And I think this is all part of the plan. They are going to starve us and they are, they are going to make war on us and they are, they are not planning to, to allow us to beat them. That's what I think is going on. And there it's an all frontal attack and it's, it's starting and it's going to keep coming. That's what I think is going on. I, I do think a regime change is of high probability and relatively imminent. What the new regime will be, I don't know. I, you're very pessimistic. I'm potentially a little optimistic. And that's because these people are so incompetent at everything that I do not believe they um, are competent to institute a martial law regime. Uh, you could be right. Yeah, but what always happens or what usually happens is when the Democrats accrue tremendous amounts of power centrally to themselves and the Republicans take over the reins, the Republicans are like, hey, this is awesome. Let's keep the same amount of control and just do it our way. They yeah. never back it up. Right. I, I don't know what to tell you. The, the federal government relies mostly on respect and a little bit on uh, naked aggression, naked force. And money, and money. And money. Uh, if the money is going to be useless and the respect is gone, it's just the naked force. And then that is spirals to no respect at all. And you get, you get something like, um, you know, you get something like the Soviet Union when it collapsed. And then you never know what's going to happen. Ed, when you say regime change is imminent, what did you mean by that? Do you think that, what, what did you mean? Well, I mean, I think the current, uh, you know, the old saying, if something can't go on forever, it won't. Um, I, I think the current regime in which the, the current oligarchy, basically, that controls everything in our federal government um, is running out of steam. And um, so, you know, how, how you replace that, whether it's sort of a populist uprising or a military dictatorship or, a, you know, a communist dictatorship or, you know, some dissolution uh, like our friend uh, Daniel uh, wants and, and Alu for, you know, some sort of dissolution. Something's going to happen, I think, fairly soon. Um, I think we're very much focused on sort of a Marxist, neo-Marxist style dictatorship. And that is definitely a possibility. But I think there are other options that are, you know, when, when things start to change, it's like a phase change, you know, um, things can happen very, very quickly and in directions you don't really, can't predict beforehand. So and I, I think one of the interesting movements is the whole moms movement, whether it's the True the Vote or Moms for Liberty and so many of these other movements, the mama bears. Yeah. And does that have potential to change the game? Yeah, or especially like the, the Moms for Liberty is great in New Hampshire. They're fantastic. They're doing really good work with the help the, of Rachel Goldsmith and a lot of my other friends are part of it. it you know, the it, gasoline, food, uh, this this baby formula thing, um, that baby formula sh shortage. Um, someone once said, uh, I apologize for not knowing who, um, uh, 
when you have plenty of food, you have many problems. When you don't have food, you have one problem. And um, I, I, I read this this morning. This is a, a typical and truly unbelievable. Um, uh, Bill Gates has a solution for the baby formula factory. He says uh, lab produced breast milk he's in, in, invested in that. Or just kill the babies, uh, Or Ed. eat bugs. Or eat bugs. And yeah, eat, but the, uh, he's invested in this North Carolina startup um, that is going to produce lab-based breast milk. Now, how many of y'all, after Bill Gates, as everything Bill Gates has done, whether it's Windows or, or Office or, or the vaccines or anything, how many of you would feed your baby anything produced by Bill Gates? I mean, I, a zero. But that's that's what they have in mind. You know, I, I don't understand it. So, you know, back in the day, it was either somebody would donate breast milk. And this was for all of civilization or they'd have to give them goat milk and people survived, which I know our bodies have adapted to different things over time. But dear gosh, like it's ridiculous. People are like freaking out. Give your kid goat milk, man. Seriously, whatever you need to do. The feed, we've survived for how many thousands and thousands of years well, without what, formula? What are you going to do? Because I'm thinking about it. There probably is, and I know some of this for sure, a tremendous excess of actual mother's milk out there. But what if oh, the there government- is. They donate it all the time. Right. So what if the government says, sort of like you can't give leftovers to the homeless, you can't donate your milk unless it comes through our labs and is inspected by the FDA, et cetera. They can shut that down if they want. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Now they gave them the idea, I'm sure they will. I, I, I saw an interview with a guy from South Africa today, and um, he, he was very bright on the future of South Africa because he said that the government is so completely and utterly incompetent that all they can do is graft they, they, that private entities are now taking over governmental functions. And the government can't enforce any any laws at all, hardly not, not, you know, we think about enforcing the laws against murder. They don't do that. They don't do anything. And so these private security companies have uh, sprung up and, you know, private uh, companies, uh, you know, can, can be created and do stuff. Um, cooperatives uh, have sprung up to get, uh, you know, like what Gina was talking with the breast milk or, or blood well, yeah. or anything like that. And it's like, there may be regulations, but the government is completely incompetent to uh, enforce those regulations. And the interviewer says, sounds like an Ayn Rand novel. And they, he said, yeah, it is. It's kind of a libertarian utopia with the possibility of random murder. You, you know what I mean? It's, 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 a, it's a weird kind of combination of there's no government at all except for random violence. And um, so it's not a utopia, but it's it's lots of he says lots of things are happening sort of under the covers in South Africa now. Lots of interesting um, advancements and companies and whatnot. There's a lot of creativity. And it, I, he said, you know, I'm sure the government would want to stop it and regulate it. They're just too incompetent to do so. So, I, I you know, that's another possibility for the United States, right, where the government oh. is simply too incompetent to regulate the people. Well, they've had, so like an annual basis. So I'm looking this up that on an annual basis, there's about 7.4 million ounces of donor milk. So there's tons upon tons. And because I knew that there was banks for donor um, breast milk. However, I've never 
known that you can actually get paid to donate it. So look, there you go. You're getting paid. On and now it. men can do it too. Oh yeah, so that's right. The market. Oh, and I'm if sure you have special breast milk for cats, like the woman on the airplane, then you get $2 an ounce instead of one. You know, if Gina, you I never knew before you said it a few minutes ago that you could use goat milk instead of formula. I mean, what do you think they did in tribes in Israel? And, you know, I don't know. I, I assume that there was a high child infant mortality rate. Well, no, they had to improvise. Same thing. Mothers used to chew up their food. It's kind of like a bird regurgitates different things or they'd mix it with potato starch or they'd find another mother that had breast milk that, you know, had just had a baby and was lactating, whatever to feed. I mean, civil civilization's not going to crumble because we don't have formula. How long have we had formula for? I don't even, I'm going to Google it. That's the only thing Google's good for. Don't know. Formula start. Come on. Let's see. So baby formula started in 1860. And it was a mixture of wheat flour, malt flour, and potassium and heated cow's milk. And it became popular in the 1960s. Yeah, it's not long. So civilization did just flipping fine, but it's another thing to panic about. Oh my gosh. And another reason to kill the babies because we don't have the food to kill the babies. Well, they we don't have you Republicans food. only care about bringing them into the world, but you don't care about what happens to them. Oh, that's such bullcrap. Oh, right. yeah. I'm so tired of hearing that it's our responsibility as if there's no way to avoid getting pregnant. I, I, com- I made this comment on some friend on Facebook where they said, you know, you should have child ca- free child care and free, you know. There all- is. What are they talking about? And my comment was, look, give me your money or I'll kill my children is not an argument. It's a hostage situation. <laughs> And <laughs> and um, so, you know, the answer to any issue is never socialism. No, so but, I you th- know, they but they just blatantly like turn a blind eye to all of the charities, all of the pregnancy crisis centers, right. all of the churches that do. I mean, they just completely turn that away because they don't want to hear it. It's simple as that. Like all of the options for help for the mothers, the fathers, the grandparents, it's all flipping there. Free Diapers, formula, regular food, carriers, swings, like you can get all of that for free. You got vouchers for childcare. I don't know what the heck they're talking about. If you're low income though, you got vouchers for childcare, vouchers for your flipping food and everything else that the government hands to you on top of what these charities do. So shut the front flipping door and shut up already, you idiots. God, they're annoying. I'm sorry. They have taxpayer funded daycare in New Jersey. I got news. Yes, that's what I'm saying. There's vouchers for yeah. No, they don't really believe in compassion. But let's be real. They just believe in government. Well, with a little more passion, Gina, we can fly you up to uh, protest in front of Alito's house. <laughs> I'll be yelling at some people. Let me tell you, the last time I was at one of these protest rallies over in Raleigh. Oh, buddy, watch out. I was going at it with some. I'll just say some paid protesters. It was not a good time. I mean, it was a good time as well. Well. It's my great day, but it's really bad at the same time. Well, he's great day and has passion. All right. Anybody want to talk about quickly anything that we haven't talked about that can't wait till next week? I got a couple of things. Go. I mean, first, first or just a quick one. The J and J shot is apparently no longer safe. Yep. Disinformation. I got a call the disinformation board. Where's my phone? All right. I'm calling the Ministry of Truth. Calling. 
I think that, you know, the truth is starting to come out. We'll see. We'll see how long it lasts before um, Pfizer and Moderna shots are put under scrutiny. Pfizer obviously has a lot more defenders in government, but uh, we'll see. And I guess Moderna, Moderna also is going to have defenders in government because I think Fauci shares the, the patents with them. But um, I think that's a story that came out this week that is worth watching. And can can you be a little bit more specific about what they said on the J and J? I didn't see that. Yeah, it's the same thing for it's the same thing that all the other uh, vaccines do. It 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 causes uh, heart inflammation. Isn't it the one that Trump just endorsed from Israeli too? Was the Johnson and Johnson people? Say that didn't again? he give them a shout out at his rally? This most recent one, didn't he give Johnson and Johnson a uh, shout out from the audience or something? Because if so, that just killed him. Yeah, I, I don't know. The Johnson and Johnson shot is is very similar to the Pfizer Moderna shot, except it uses DNA that is then transformed into messenger RNA, which is then transformed into the spike protein. So it, it's. It, there's an extra step in the Johnson and Johnson, but it's a set, you know, it does essentially the same thing. And so if there is problems with that, there's problems with the Pfizer and Moderna. And we know there's problems with Pfizer and Moderna. So um, my comment, I'll throw my one comment in um, the documentary 2000 Mules that we talked about earlier. Um, apparently, discussion of that has been banned on the Fox News channel and on the Newsmax channel. Um, while uh, well, Tucker had um, the documentarian on not D'Souza, but Engelbrecht was, is her name? Yes. I, I don't exactly know. He was, he was specifically told, and she was specifically told not to mention the 2000 Mules documentary by name. This came out, um, was leaked by uh, apparently one of Tucker's uh, uh producers or PAs or something. And uh, so there is a, an outright ban on Fox News and there's a leak from Newsmax, the same thing. Only OAN um, is talking about it, that you're not allowed to mention 2000 News. So I have a question. If that isn't the cue for Tucker to say, I can't work when I am 100% um, regulated and I quit, when will be that opportunity? Well, I, I think you're, the premise of your question is wrong. He's not 100% regulated. He's got the whole Fox Nation series where there's no regulation and most of his programming, he gets to say what he wants to say. If they're tying his hands on one or two things, I mean, I'm not endorsing it, but. I don't know. That's kind of like what Melissa said either right before, right after we started the show. Well, we gave you so much that you have to give us this. At a certain point, free speech is free speech, and this is a very big issue. Well, either Spotify will offer him a big contract of 100 million or 50 million soon, and then he might bounce, or he'll realize that Odyssey is actually a free speech platform. It's backed by LBRY, which is literally like 100% free speech because you can't censor it, it's decentralized. Um, once he realizes there are these kinds of things, or maybe even Rumble, which is more centralized, then maybe again, holy fox, because TV is obviously dying. We all know TV is dying like radio died. It's all about streaming, quick, YouTube, TikTok podcasts, Spotify type stuff, Odyssey, LBRY. So it's a dying um, business model. So maybe, you know, like Joe Rogan, I didn't see that coming really, but, you know, very interesting. He got a hundred million and now he has free speech on Spotify. So And, and he survived and he did survive that mess. Well, he doesn't well, well, have he, free he speech. He took a lot of arrows. Um, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't have free speech. There are certain topics that, yeah. um, that in, in, in 
existing shows. There's 70 or 100 or so existing shows on certain topics that Spotify has removed. And, and they forced course, them to apologize. Rogan, the, one of the toughest, most independent guys, apologized. I think yeah. it was Corona Fascism, right? He was so, like contrite. It was really weird. I, you know, and with locals and rumble combining, um, I think that's going to be a powerhouse. Of course, I, I use, uh, I read, I read Substack a lot because there, that is a truly a free speech platform. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing, uh, you know, Odyssey, you mentioned um, rumble, uh, Twitter, uh, you know, um, Elon says uh, Trump is, is going to be allowed back on as soon as he takes over the company. So I think that that is, um, I think that's a, a step in the right direction. Obviously, there's thousands of other people who are unjustly removed from uh, Twitter. It's, it's when they come back that I will be really impressed. But, um, you know, things are moving away. Now, the Democrats are getting, or Democrats, the leftists are getting more and more crazy with regard to censorship. The Nina Jankowitz said um, she should be allowed to um, comment on every tweet. You know, her or her cadre should be comment uh, on every tweet to correct them, you know, to have a cadre of, of tweet correctors um, that uh, sponsored by the government that go in and correct misinformation. And uh, I don't think Elon's going to let that fly, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, but I think things are kind of moving under, uh, you know, under the water. Things are moving in our direction. The fact well, that the, the fact that they, you know, there's they can like Roe v. Wade was supposed to be the most important constitutional decision uh, in the history of the world. A super right, you know, way more important than uh, free speech or freedom of the press or or all of that. And now it's going to be overturned. And basically, except for, you know, 100 crazies here or there, nobody cares. No one cares. It's not really, it's not really, I mean, it's getting bashed on the TV and there's these 100 protesters, but I mean, it's, no one cares. They're, you know, when you can't eat, you know, you have, that's your only problem. Well, I don't think that things are moving in our direction. I mean, maybe there are some instances where it is. Um, the other story that I really wanted to mention, a uh, larger story, I think, is the inflation numbers this morning um, and the uh, apparent crash of, of the cryptocurrency market that's going on right now as we speak. Um, you know, the inflation numbers were worse than expected. Team Biden seems to be okay with it. They're blaming Putin and they're blaming Republicans and but they're really in, in favor of it. I think they want to use it to get their green green energy agenda passed. Um, and you know the the crypto market is has been crashing. I mean for for a couple months now, but in the last last three days of this week, we're recording on Wednesday. Um, it's it's really tanked, um, and it, it, that's sort of counterintuitive to crypto being a uh, a hedge against inflation. And I mean, I don't really have an answer, but I have a speculation. And that's that I think that there are insiders that know that a digital currency is coming and that crypto is going to get regulated out of out of existence or outright banned. Um, you know, the inflation numbers are really bad and they're going to have to do something. I suggested earlier, maybe they're going to tie a, a digital currency to, to a ration card to get food. 
Um, that's one speculation that, that I've thought about and I've heard from somebody else. Um, but just in general, I think that uh, we're seeing some signs, not that things are moving in our direction, but that things are starting to spiral out of control. And the Democrats are just ready to, to, um, to take over when they spiral out of control. All right, we're gonna pick back up on everything else next week. And I thank everyone for being here today. Again, congratulations and thank you so much. We'll be up as a podcast very shortly and we will be back for 101 next Wednesday, regular time. Have a wonderful evening.